welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. I invite you to open your Bibles today to Acts chapter 9. As you probably recall from last week, how in verses 1 through 9, uh, Saul, who was the Pharisee, uh, had been laid, uh, had been by Jesus uh, officially put on ice. Our Lord, you remember, had confronted him on a road that was leading into Damascus. And uh, so, in the Lord's timing, then, that tyranny, uh, those persecutions, of the church led by Saul, they had finally come to an end. By this point, you'll see in verse 10, it is likely that for three days now, Saul has felt more than just a little bit weak in the knees as he awaits to to learn exactly what the Lord Jesus has planned for him. He, He has also taken no food or water And uh, we will discover in verse 11 that uh, Saul appears to have remained in a a continuous state of prayer during this time. Uh, And for him to to not eat and to not drink, as stated in verse 9, that is consistent with with a deep remorse over sin. During the period of the Old Testament, uh, it was very common among the prophets and and sometimes even entire populations. uh, One example is the pagan city of Nineveh. uh, Was not uncommon at all that they would abstain from food and or water when distressed over their sin. Sometimes people would even dress themselves in, in a very coarse sackcloth and and sometimes sit in ashes or even dump ashes over their own heads. And historically doing so, it supplied a, an external, a visible display of an internal shame, a, a regret over what we have done. So Saul's behavior at least seems consistent with a, with a sense of extreme guilt, a deep sorrow over the many sins that he has committed against Christ's church. Uh, that illustrated through a practice of abstaining from food and water. We sometimes also refer to it as fasting. We did read the entire account last week, verses 1 through 19. Uh, I would like to read again verses 10 through 19 to refresh our minds uh, for those who might not have been with us uh, last time. So reading from Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen a vision. Uh, In a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. 
But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from Saul's eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Well, Jesus states to Ananias, go to him. I'll show Saul how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Yikes. Yikes. I'm not exactly sure uh, what is going through Saul's mind during these three days. Uh, Yet, because he has not yet received the Holy Spirit, has not yet been baptized, uh, has has not yet even regained his sight, uh, I remain quite suspect uh, that Saul is not at this point regenerated by faith. If that conclusion is accurate, uh, there may not have occurred a conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus. Uh, Instead, it seems plausible, perhaps even possible or probable, that his conversion occurred three days later at a house... uh, where a man was living named Judas. Uh, We don't know. uh, We we know this is in Damascus where this occurs. Uh, We we know it is where Saul is filled with the Holy Spirit and where he regains his sight. Yet during these three days, Saul knows that Jesus has something in the works. Many years later, we will find in Acts chapter 26, that that while recounting this experience on the road to Damascus, uh, at his own trial before King Agrippa, the Apostle Paul reveals, or he will reveal years down the road, how how Jesus had already told him a few things, that there remained a plan for Saul. Uh, Jesus had told him, for instance, while on the road, uh, for this purpose I've appeared to you, to appoint you a subordinate witness, not only to the things which you've seen, but also to the things which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from the darkness to the light and from the dominion of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, Saul knows there is something coming. He will be forced to become a herald for the gospel that he once persecuted. Uh, Yet, prior to the Holy Spirit filling him, uh, I, I find myself questioning whether Saul actually understands that he has also become a recipient 
of grace. I may be wrong, I don't believe he's saved during these three days. Still, Saul has received a vision from the Lord. He knows he is to be expecting a man named Ananias who will come, uh, and so that he may regain his sight. Um, Yet, before even that can happen, the Lord's going to have to first convey that same plan to Ananias. Therefore, he grants Ananias a vision. He even calls out to him by name. He says, Ananias. In verse 10, without, without any hint of hesitation, Ananias responds, Well, here I am, Lord. Well, how would you respond? Now, I don't know if you are thinking the same thing as I am thinking, but what I'm, what I am thinking is that Ananias' response, here I am, Lord, that sounds very reminiscent of one of the Old Testament prophets. Do you, do you recognize already which one? Yeah, I heard it already. Um, it sounds much like the prophet Isaiah. He too was given a vision of the Lord. Uh, you can read it, that for yourself in Isaiah chapter 6. And, and there you'll find how Isaiah saw uh, the God of Israel sitting, sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up, su- surrounded by angels who are declaring, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And after Isaiah, there's a scene that Isaiah is cleansed from his iniquities. He then hears a voice sounding forth from the Lord asking asking a blanket question. He says, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? What was Isaiah's reply? Here I am. Send me. Similarly, I like to perceive Ananias, uh, he is described, by the way, in Acts chapter 22 as a devout, a, uh, a man of good reputation, a devout man. Uh, similarly, he too initially responds to Jesus' voice w- with great enthusiasm. Here I am, Lord. You know, do you remember reflecting back in your own mind? There was a time, there was a season immediately after your heart was opened up to the gospel. It was opened by God and he he finally revealed to you how that perfect and sinless lamb, the Lord Jesus, God's son, he had to die while bearing the punishment for your sins on the cross. I remember when I first came to that awareness. I would not doubt that uh, not too long after you learned this, uh, you probably heard that passage from Isaiah. It seemed to me within a couple weeks, I had heard that passage quoted somewhere by somebody. And at that moment, you quite possibly yourself responded, here I am, Lord. How about doing something grand, something great? Do something impactful through me, Lord. You've saved me from my sins. I want to serve you. 
In fact, you may have even recalled yourself praying on your knees one day when you first replied, Here I am, Lord. Send me. For Ananias, the day, that day has finally come. It's a day when, when Christ came knocking and Jesus gave him very simple instructions. Head across town. There's a street that is called Straight. That, that is a broad street, about 40 foot wide at this time when Saul is alive. A, a main artery. It is still present in Damascus to this very day. The street is still there. And Jesus told Ananias to go there. You'll meet a man, his name's Saul. You know, I have him all prepared for your arrival. You see, he's even on his knees. He's praying. He's, he's waiting for you. <laughs> you know, behind the scenes, the Lord has, has laid all this groundwork. He has prepared everything for this day. Um, Ananias can't see it, of course, but it's ready. And Jesus presents Ananias, who's described as one of his disciples with just a very simple, very achievable task. Saul's already convicted of his sins. He's already there waiting and praying. What, what an incredible opportunity. But when the Lord calls, Ananias objects. And what was initially a response filled with enthusiasm, uh, now it's turned into a tone of protest. Ananias quickly concludes in the wisdom of his own mind, uh, but I didn't sign up for this. Look at verse 13. Oh Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem and here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. You know, it's almost as within a, a period of seconds, the courageous prophet Isaiah has now turned into Jonah. Every resource uh, that I've examined that goes into the original language and dissects the grammar, uh, insists Ananias' response to Jesus displays an attitude of objection. Look at how quickly, here I am, Lord, turns into, but why me, Lord? You ever had that disposition of Ananias? Responding immediately, oh, I'm ready to go, Lord. Well, then go. Not now, Lord. No. Well, that immediate response of enthusiasm uh, is quickly followed by a readiness to sidestep whatever the Lord has declared is urgent. If you want to observe a textbook example of immediate enthusiasm, quickly followed by resistance and protest, um, here's an example. Simply announce that you are going to hold a weekend class teaching evangelism. 
you're going to hear immediately enthusiasm. Amen. That's just what we need to be doing. Quickly followed by, but I'm going to be busy that weekend. And I will be out of town. When the pastor hasn't even announced which weekend it is yet. (laughs) But they're sure they're going to be busy that weekend. The the resistance in us is very real. Very real. Um, Therefore, I find having to restate this essential principle that we learned only two weeks ago while examining the work of Philip the Evangelist, it's it's imperative. And that principle is how our Lord Jesus is speaking is just as clear today, even more clear, even more thoroughly through his word than he ever spoke to Philip, than he ever spoke to Ananias. And the things that we have learned together in Scripture and and these principles that we have discovered as a church are just as urgent as the task that was originally assigned to Ananias. Friends, our our Lord assigns no small tasks. There, There are no insignificant tasks. Still, Visiting Saul, it is a very important one. It is urgent. It is essential. And therefore, for the sake of Saul and to encourage Ananias, Jesus reassures him, no, I really mean it. I need you to go to Saul for me today. Yeah, I understand why there's hesitation by Ananias. I truly do. Saul has earned for himself a killer reputation. The news of the harm has caused fear far and wide, even as far out as Damascus from Jerusalem, about 150. It's either kilometers or miles, I forget. But the news is spreading far and wide, and, and for this reason, Christ is gracious. Christ overlooks the resistance the reluctance of Ananias uh, to obey what the Lord has told him. I don't quite, however, understand our own unwillingness to act upon what Christ has said to us. But our Lord proves he's willing to repeat the command, and Ananias will hear as many times as is needed and just as the Lord also does for us, again and again, he, he woos us to obey, to go to preach the gospel, to reach others who need to hear the news of Jesus Christ. And again and again, our Lord reaches out. In verse 15, Jesus says, Go. He is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and to kings and to the sons of Israel. Hearing Jesus only a second time, Ananias now responds. He he departs to do the Lord's will. And as a result, just, just imagine for a moment the stories that an Ananias is going to be able to share with his grandchildren. 
you know, Grandpa, tell me one more time that story about how Jesus told you to go that time. And Grandpa Ananias can respond, well, you know, Jesus sent me to lay hands on a man. Uh, He was a man who was going to become the greatest evangelist to ever walk the earth. And they say, really, Grandpa? Really? Yep. I was the one who went to visit Saul. uh, And that day the Spirit fell upon him. And Saul was born again. And Ananias can say, "I, I was the first to welcome Saul. I was the first to call him brother. I even got to baptize him and put him in the water. What a story. See, the grandchildren say, wow, Saul of Tarsus. Were you scared? Yeah, yeah, I was scared. I was scared. But Jesus said, go. And I went. And afterwards, Saul spent several days with all of us in Damascus, all the disciples teaching and preaching. I even got to be there the first time that Saul preached the gospel. Ananias could only say this if he responded to Jesus' call. Compare that to an, to an alternative response, an alternative ending to the story. You know, Grandpa, did you ever do anything exciting for Jesus? And Grandpa responding, yeah, well, I did have a chance once. It was a little scary. Appeared to potentially dangerous. You know, I would have had to travel all the way across town. I, I didn't really want to go. But what happened, Grandpa? Yeah, I, I don't really know. Not exactly sure. Uh, I, I heard that somebody else eventually went. Or leaving the task to somebody else. What an opportunity Ananias would have missed. Was the task given to Ananias important? Christ assigns no unimportant task. Do you think Ananias was glad at the end of the day and at the end of his life that he responded? Oh, you know that he is today. This week, I was at this point, I began to struggle with the application of the message. I'm coming down, it's getting to be the end of the week. Actually, it was Friday night. And I was getting distracted and trying to discover how to transition this passage to Saul. He's the star of the passage, right? It's all about Saul. Well... During a dialogue with with one of you folks uh, late Friday, um, there was a completely unrelated comment made, unrelated to the passage, and it said this, quote, But in the end, the Lord will call us home, and none of it will matter in the end. That was a comment made about a topic completely unrelated to our text does not apply here but at the same time it opened my mind 
to an essential part of Jesus' dialogue with Ananias. And that is how, in the end, it is really going to matter. We need to grasp this passage in light of Ananias, not only of Saul. We'll get to read several chapters about Saul going forward. The question of whether or not Ananias went mattered. It really mattered. Everything we do in relation to Christ and his commands will in the end really matter. Do you recall last Sunday how we learned, you know, the way in which we treat Christ's church? It, it, it's perfectly representative of, of how we treat Jesus. You know, our Lord takes it very personal how we treat his church. Uh, back in verse 4, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Didn't ask, why are you persecuting my church? Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And Saul responded, well, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. And the truth to behold is that, that Jesus equates how we treat his church with how we treat him. Therefore, everything we do in relation to his church, either negative or in a positive light, it's really going to matter in the end. 2 Corinthians 5.9 states that we are to have it as our ambition to be pleasing to Christ, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus expands our understanding to include even the act of giving someone a cup of water in the name of Christ. That person will not lose their reward. It's going to matter in the end. We have to be cautious not to become so intrigued with, with how our Lord Jesus gave Ananias a vision uh, with a simple command that we fail to recall that he has provided us a whole chronicle of commands in the Bible. It's filled with simple commands, easy to understand, easy to obey. He never asks too much. And in the end, it's really going to matter. Every note you play on an instrument, every place in which you serve, every time you share the gospel, every kind gesture that you offer, everything that you do, everything that we refuse to do, will really matter in the end. You know, Jesus needed Ananias to go. Ananias went. Today, Ananias is very glad in the Lord's presence that he did. Saul was a chosen instrument 
for the gospel. He was going to bear witness to Christ. And, and we learned during our scripture reading in Galatians chapter 1, Saul, who by this time of writing Galatians, he's known as the Apostle Paul, and he states how God had set me apart even from my mother's womb. Even from my mother's womb to preach the gospel. And then he called me through his grace at the right moment in time. He states there that God was pleased to reveal in me his son uh, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That, that is the reason that Paul was called. This past week, there's been quite a bit of discussion here. Even I heard this morning in adult Bible class, I, I couldn't make it in there. I, I apologize I wasn't in this morning. But uh, the topic has been discussed since last Wednesday, how Saul is, is clearly represented as a passive agent in this calling. He was already set apart by God while he was in his mother's womb. He, he didn't have any say in it. Not in the womb. Not while in Damascus. Our Wednesday evening study, as we discussed, we had quite a long discussion. Maybe the longest we've ever gone before we let people go home this past Wednesday. Had a good crowd, a spirited crowd. And we discussed, had a long discussion about our sinful nature. The darkness of our hearts and how prior to it being open to Christ and being revealed to us, uh, how at that time none of us was seeking after God. Romans 3 verse 10, no, not even one. And Saul here becomes the epitome of that sinful nature, that, that sinful fleshly resistance that wants absolutely nothing to do with Christ. And though Romans 3 assures us that none seek after God, Christ himself was seeking after Saul. And we'll discover in verse 17 that, that Saul does not get asked by Ananias anything, anything like, you know, would you like to receive the Holy Spirit now? Are you ready? Would you possibly be open? Would you like to say a prayer? No, Saul is just simply informed by Ananias that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. A choice that was made for Saul by God before he was even born. If you'd like an even more vivid example of that, if you're like, oh, I'm not so sure about that. If you'd like a more vivid example of God's choice in the womb, I could go to Romans 9, but I've heard you were there already earlier this morning. And we need no, to look no further than John the Baptist, about whom it is stated by the angel who was speaking to his father, Zacharias. You can find this in Luke chapter 1, verse 15. The angel told Zacharias that he, referring to John the Baptist, he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. 
wow, I don't even have a theology that fits that. It is impossible to dispute that Scripture reveals that the Holy Spirit is free to fill whomever He wants, whenever He wants. In likening the Holy Spirit to the wind, Jesus states in John 3, verse 8, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from, nor where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. According to this same Apostle Paul in our story today, who was Saul, uh, in Romans 9, verse 16, I will go there just briefly. He concludes, So then, God's choice does not depend on the man who wills or the man who strives, but on God who has mercy. In verse 18, Paul concludes, so then God has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. The ending is well for Saul. Though he had done nothing worthy of forgiveness, uh, nor did he set out to Damascus to, to become a Christian, according to God's predetermined, predetermined plan, Saul had become a vessel of God's grace, uh, one who can take zero credit, no credit, for his own salvation. If you stand as a Christian today, if you've received forgiveness for your sins, the same is with you. You and I have done nothing to merit or to earn the Lord's forgiveness. But at some point during our lives, perhaps it was on a road Somewhere, God was pleased to reveal His Son to you. It's entirely God's choice. Jesus described Saul as a chosen instrument of mine. He told the apostles, uh, all of them, that you did not choose me, but I chose you. Yet Ananias still has to go. He still has to go and welcome Saul into the church to, to baptize him. And as God has established this as a divine standard for anyone who will come into the church, there has to be somebody else who will go and tell him. Paul again in Romans 10 verse 14, how will they believe in him who they've not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they're sent. And just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So Jesus tells Ananias, you're, you're going to have to follow through with this. You're going to have to go and welcome Saul into the church. You know what is perhaps the most fascinating part of this passage Asking a question, who's Ananias? Why is Christ sending him to baptize Saul? You'd think that Jesus would, would once again, you know, dispatch some apostles, maybe Peter or, or, or John, 
But he doesn't do that. And our scripture reading from Galatians reveals that, that though Saul immediately began preaching the gospel, he didn't even go to visit any of the apostles for at least three years. The apostles weren't involved here. So we need to answer, you know, what's going on? Why Ananias? But the narrative of Acts is now taking a turn. It's revealed now um, that Philip, who was also not an apostle, he was baptizing an Ethiopian and sending him on his way. Philip kept on preaching in all the cities along the Mediterranean. He made his way to Caesarea, which is right on the eastern edge of the Mediterranean Sea. Now we have Ananias, who is an absolute nobody, comes out of nowhere, and he is sent to lay his hands on and then baptize Saul, who becomes an apostle. What Acts is revealing, what is being seen here, uh, is at this point, the gospel is expanding already beyond the twelve. There are thousands of Christians who are preaching the gospel across Judea. They have spread out to Samaria. They've been on a road leading down to Ethiopia. They're in Caesarea. Now we've got disciples up in Damascus. They're all over the place, and the Holy Spirit is portrayed as the one who's driving it all. Every work that we are seeing, the Holy Spirit is involved. He's placing his, God's seal upon all of this work. And the ministry of the gospel keeps expanding further and further from Jerusalem, further and further from the apostles. And according to the Spirit of God, no part of it is considered insignificant. With the addition of Saul, we're going to see as we progress forward, the, the Spirit's work is simply going to keep expanding and expanding and expanding all the way to the ends of the earth. Friends, the work that the Holy Spirit is doing through us right here today in Port St. Lucie is no less important. Our names are not printed in the text. They are not in the narrative. Neither were thousands of other Christians who were sharing the gospel at this time. We have a picture of what was going on. But we cannot consider the work that we are doing for the Lord today and His commands to us to obey any less significant than the words He spoke to Ananias. This is still the work of the Holy Spirit. Christ is still building His church among us. And He says it is still urgent. The question presented before the prophet Isaiah, it is as relevant today as when the Lord first asked it, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And as was the case with Isaiah and Ananias and with every Christian who has ever gone before us, we are going to have to determine how we are going to respond to that call. Will we listen? Will we obey? Will we have anything to share with our grandchildren? 
will we regret what we have not done for the Lord? Let's pray. Father, I will confess I have had so many opportunities to share the gospel when I have not. I have had so many open doors to be an encourager when I have not. There have been opportunities to serve and to and to edify your church and to be be a tool in your hand and yet failed to do so. And yet again and again, by your grace, you reach out and say, let's try this one more time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word that speaks as loudly today as it ever has. Thank you for your spirit, who you left with us, that we might accomplish your work and that where we reach out, it's not in vain. Yet thank you most of all for your son, whom you sent to die on the cross for our sins. Father, your grace is great. Your deeds are mighty. And your love is sure. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.